Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. My honor and privilege to welcome up Donna De Silva. She's an author, speaker, but more than that, she's a friend. And, uh, and she just carries something, a deposit of the Lord, and, uh, you know, we all get to eat of the fruit of that. So let's just, let's just pray and bless Dawn as she comes. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the gift you've given us in Donna and what she carries. We ask you to anoint her, uh, even as she releases uh, an impartation today, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, here we go. I was so enjoying worship, and I thought about Acts. Okay. And I have a friend who's a phenomenal Bible teacher, and his comment is there's three responses to Jesus. Crucify him, right? That's number one. It's like, crucify him. Oh, he's a charlatan. He casts out, you know, demons by demons. Or celebration. He's the Messiah. Right? And I think sometimes when worship gets that fun and we start goofing off, there are places in us that are like a little uncomfortable. Or is that, it wasn't, I wasn't uncomfortable today, but I've been very uncomfortable in worship over the years, if, if, you know, if that maybe was you and you're like, wow, this, this church is a little crazy, right? <laughs> in Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were, wow, <laughs> and there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing upon themselves and they began to speak in tongues. And one of the responses is, who are these people? What's wrong with them? And Peter gets up and says, men of Judah who live in Jerusalem, let it be known. We are not drunk as you suppose. But they must have looked drunk. Does that make sense? It's like he wouldn't have stood up if there wasn't some, something going on there. And so, wow. So the freedom of God, um, it does do something in us. And when the freedom comes from the Lord, when freedom comes upon other people, we have three opportunities of responses. One is, oh, this can't be God. One can be, oh, this is, you know, like crucify him, like, oh, no, this is, this is wrong. And the other one is celebration. Wow. I want to be the one who celebrates. And I can remember in the beginning of, this is not my sermon, but I can remember in the beginning with Bethel and the Holy Spirit would fall in such tangible ways. I mean, the Holy Spirit fell in, in worship today. If you couldn't feel him, it's okay. You will, right? But when the Holy Spirit would fall and we would see crazy manifestations, we would see people fall on the ground and shake, and, and sometimes you'd be like, I think that's the Lord. And then we'd see people fall and shake, and you're like, oh, I think that's a demon. And then they'd be, you know, falling and shaking, and you're like, oh, that's their flesh, because they want to. And I talked to Bill one time. I said, Bill, what do we do about that? I'm in charge of deliverance. And I'm like, that needs deliverance. And he says, let it go. He says, there are three responses to presence. He says, and we're okay however you respond because you're in the presence. Wow. 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 Let's put your hands up. Wow. And say, Come, Holy Spirit. I hand to you, Jesus. 
Say out loud, I hand to you, Jesus, fear of your presence. I hand to you my mindset of how you should come. And I break agreement in any way where I still partner with the religious spirit. I don't want to be the one that says crucify him. And I give the people around me permission to respond to the presence. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. (laughs) I love that. Peter gets up. We are not drunk as you suppose, which means they look drunk. You know, so many times we actually hinder the presence because we don't want to look drunk. (laughs) So many times. I mean, I, I understand it. I get it. I mean, I told the Lord, you know, yeah, I want you, but I don't want to do that. And he won't make you all, you know, do weird stuff. But it's the spirit of control. You know, the religious spirit always is trying to kill the spirit. Any vestige in you of a religious spirit, it has to die if you're going to enter the presence. And you know what? It's okay if someone's being delivered. It's okay if someone's just in the flesh because they're like, I just want attention. It's okay because they're in the presence. So just do this with me. Say, Jesus, I hand you my judgments of how people respond in your presence. And I repent. Because I want to be one of those (laughs) who say this is the Christ. Do it unto me as you desire. Wow. Wow. It's still very strong up here. It's like, wow. Okay. All right. Well, I, t- I talked this morning, um, and, I, 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 and I did a quick, um, whoa, wait a minute, I just, um, I did talk this morning. <laughs> well, that, that. And I was going to give a different teaching here, but I, I really feel like I need to do the same thing, but in a different way. Um, I really feel like it's important that we understand how to shift atmospheres. And I don't have time to do atmosphere training, and so I'm just going to do it from a, a, a different way for you guys as we do this. So I want to start with this amazing revelation. Ready? Yeah. Okay. Do you realize that you take you with you wherever you go? I know, revelation right there. You're like, come on, what's so big about that? Tell, say this, I take me with me wherever I go. How many of you have Jesus in your heart? How many of you are filled with the Holy Spirit? So I take Jesus with me wherever I go. And there are, and there are, Three responses to Jesus when he shows up. Ooh. See, Jesus says, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And we're like, oh, but they're supposed to love us. No. But Jesus spoke truth. 
you're not responsible for their response. You're responsible for who you bring. Say, I bring the Holy Spirit with me wherever I go. And the world needs the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Ooh. So what am I trying to do? I'm trying to help you to understand that, you know, we are so timid and we're so afraid anymore to speak about God. And we're timid and afraid to speak about what's in the word of God because what is in the word of God is against the beliefs of the world. Surprise, it is always going to be different than what the world says. Surprise, there are people in the world that will hate you because you believe the word of God. And you're like, uh-oh. They're going out on um, <laughs> evangelism today. Someone might hate me. So what? Someone might receive the Lord. Amen. Right? You're not responsible for the response of the presence. You're responsible to bring the presence. Wow. Wow. You know, when you pray for people and they get healed, I love, my favorite part of it is the shocked look on their face. When they're like, oh, and you're like, you just got healed. And they're like, I don't know how that happened. Well, I do. They're like, wow. You know, sometimes it's like, wow, you've got a gift. I say, yeah, his name is Jesus. See, when they're like, wow, you've got a gift, it's like, oh, oh, you're the response that says, oh, this is magic. Oh, this is, and then we just have the ability to say, actually, that's Jesus. Now, when you hear me say, you're not responsible for their response, I'm not giving you permission to be turkeys. I was going to say a different word, but we're alive. I'm not giving you permission to purposely offend people. That's not what I'm saying. Oh, well, I'm not responsible for your response. No, no, no. You're responsible to bring the presence. You're responsible to represent Jesus. But you are not responsible for the response. So say this. Say, I give you back Jesus. your responsibility. <laughs> wow. And I don't have to prove anything. When I give space for you, I'm not in charge of the response. And I don't have to defend your presence. Come on. <laughs> you are the light of the world. Let's look at this. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The world needs what each of you carries. You know what, Bethel, um, if, if we're not getting breakthrough, we usually have a child pray for us. <laughs> It's so fun. I mean, they're playing, they're goofing off, they're playing tag, and they come and they pray for you, and then they run off and play tag, you know. And so in the middle of it all, it's just part of their world. And it's like if you're struggling and there's not been breakthrough, we grab a kid because there's just no guile. It's so fun, and we watch the breakthroughs happen. And people are like, well, how does that work? Well, because a child doesn't have a junior Holy Spirit. So the same Holy Spirit in you is the same Holy Spirit in you and you and you. Yeah, we have different gifts. We have different callings. But you can draw upon those gifts and callings when you go. I mean, I actually um, don't, I, I don't like to meet people I don't know. That doesn't make me a good evangelist. So I actually team up with evangelists who are good. And then I just kind of stand behind them as they meet people. Right? 
And then I step in when they've already met them. Because now I know who you are. Does that make sense? We all have different personalities, right? And we team up with those who carry maybe a gift mix that's different than us. But the same Holy Spirit in you is the same Holy Spirit in you and the same Holy Spirit in you. And you're like, yeah, but I'm not seeing miracles. Have you been praying? Well, I don't, I don't see the dead rise. Have you ever prayed for someone who's dead to be raised? I remember... I was a chaplain in the early days at Bethel, and we'd go to the hospital, and they put me in the ICU with all these people, and I'm praying for people to be raised from the dead, and people are being pulled out in body bags, and I'm like, well, that's going to give a lot of faith to the person I'm praying for, because you can actually see them going by. It's a little intimidating. Have I ever seen the dead raised? No, not yet. I remember years ago, my stepmother had passed away, and I'm taking my little boy, Timmy, you know, and well, Corey and I and were going to the funeral, and Timmy says to me, I can't wait till we get there. And we lay our hands on the coffin, and she gets up. <laughs> huh? I'm like, that's awesome, but um, she was cremated. So I'm thinking to myself, how do you tell him? Well, that's not what's going to happen because there's, you know, like an urn, and, you know, how do you tell a kid without scaring him, you know? He's probably second grade. I'm like, oh, and I thought, oh, you know, I said, Timmy, um, she's actually not in a coffin. He's like, oh, kind of like she's already up. You know, what, what are we doing here? You know? And I said, no, no, sweetie, she, she's been cremated. So she's in an urn. And he goes, well, what is that? And I'm like, oh, gosh. So, well, you sometimes, you know, if you don't want to be in a coffin, they put you in an urn, you know, and they, they, they burn you. You're, but you're already dead, so it's okay. And then they put your ashes in a coffin. I mean, in, a, in an urn. Timmy thinks for a while. He goes, well, you know, Mama, we came from dust. The faith of children. Where's our faith? Our faith is in what we've seen. Our faith is in people we pray for that die. We need to get our faith back in him. I, know, I just think sometimes, you know, Heidi Baker, she has got like 99.9% of anyone who is, is it deaf? Deaf that she prays for are healed. But she prayed 100 times before the first deaf person was healed. What would have happened if she'd stopped at 99? You're not responsible for the response. When you bring the presence. And that's still not my sermon, but here we go. I can't get off that. There's something that needs to be said here. It's like, just, okay, so wow, just put your hands out. And say, I release my fear of the response. Wow, make me a magnet. And a lightning rod for your presence. Wow. 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 And I feel like some of us, so we're all going to say it, but I feel like some of us have disappointment in our hands. Some of us are like, and I've been praying a long time for this, and it's not happened. Or I've prayed, and, and you know, everyone I pray for doesn't get well. And there's this disappointment, and your heart is, like, hurting. And it's like, just, just give him that. Just, you know, just lift him up. Say, you know, Jesus, here's my disappointment. Wow. Uh-huh. I hand you discouragement, disappointment, and actually a sense of feeling embarrassed when it doesn't turn out the way I expect. And as I give these to you, I ask you to give me back the courage to bring your presence.
پوالرش رو بدن نگیره میش My husband says, you know, there are some ancient boundaries that you don't cross. There are some things you don't throw away, and Scripture tells you not to throw away your confidence. And I wasn't going there, so I don't have it written up. Some of us have thrown away our confidence because we thought our confidence was in the answer. But your confidence is in him. It's like, I, I'm confident in you, Jesus. And, and if you show up, no matter what the response is, you showing up is my confidence. My confidence is when I go, the Holy Spirit is in me and with me, and I can leak him wherever I go. And however the response is, it's not what I look at. Because my confidence is in you, not in the response. Why is this important? Because you are the light. And we need to stop hiding our light because we've been tired of the responses. I have not seen, um, I just turned 60, so I never thought I'd be one of those people that would be like, in my day. But I'm like, in my day. I don't know that I've ever seen the polarization of our nation Probably, obviously, the Civil War, right? But that was way before my day. Um, just in case you guys don't know how old 60 is. Okay, just letting you know. Um, but the polarization, I mean, I have friends whose kids won't talk to them because of the way they voted in the election. I have friends that, um, that have friends that won't talk to them because of the, the belief systems that they carry. I've never seen that in, in my little neighborhood in Redding, California. Um, I've not seen the polarization that's happened. And what I have found is the hatred that is coming out in social media, the hatred that's coming out in media. It's all telling you to sit down, shut up, and don't have an opinion, especially if you're a Christian. Because if you have an opinion about what marriage looks like, and you speak it, you're a bigot. If you have an opinion what sexuality looks like, and you speak it, in some areas, you can get in big trouble. In Canada, you cannot talk against homosexual marriage, or you're actually, it's a hate crime. It's like, well, I'm just actually reading the Bible. You're not responsible for the response but you're responsible to the truth. The problem is, is when we start getting angry, then we speak the truth in a bitter way. Years ago, I, I had a sermon, and I, I said, we're standing on the corner of Saul and Paul Street. And it was probably eight, nine years ago, and I said, we're going to see that the Sauls are going to come into the kingdom as Paul's. I said, and, and we're standing on the corner. And the problem is, is that we can see the Saul's. We can see the persecution. We can see what's happening. And the problem is, is we're looking back when we should be looking here because that's where they become Paul's. And we need to say we're standing here. We can still see the effects of sin and evil in our world, but we're about to see the change coming here, Right? And the very one who actually was terrorizing the early church begins, becomes the Gentile's apostle and writes a ton of the New Testament, right? And we were standing on that corner. But if we keep looking back at what the response is, then we're afraid to move forward. Does that make sense? The world is terrified of what you carry terrified of what you carry and I have found so many times that I feel like in this past season of this extreme hatred one seat one for the other that I'm almost afraid to speak out 
Because I'm like, I don't, I don't want people hating me. I don't want people being mean to me. Uh, you know, I, I, and so I've been at times, I've just kept my mouth shut. But that's actually not the light. Because the light needs to shine in darkness. And in that sermon I was teaching one time, I was preaching and I was talking and I get done preaching that and my son says, Mom, that was a great sermon, but you have to be careful. I said, why? And he says, because you're sounding bitter. I said, I am bitter. I'm mad. And he says, Mom, it'll turn people off and they won't hear you. And it really hit my heart. I said, oh, I know why I'm sounding bitter. I'm sounding bitter because I'm frustrated that the world isn't letting me have my opinion. And so by the time you actually get up and you get to have your opinion, you, it comes in a way that is too forceful or it comes in a way that is angry. And we shake our fists at the world and the world's like, yeah, you're just one of those crazies. But actually... We need to guard our hearts so that we speak way back here before we're bitter. So that we can speak and bring wholeness. See, if I speak bitterly, if I speak in an angry way and people are angry at me, I can't just say, oh, well, I'm not responsible for their response. No, 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 no. That's not me just bringing Jesus. That's me bringing Jesus and my attitude into the conversation. The world needs what you carry. We owe the world an experience with our God. I was, we were walking back from dinner the other day, and my team wanted to just go grab something, and I thought, you guys, I'm so tired. You know, there's a corner grocery store they were going to go to. I'm, a, I'm just going to go on up. And as I get in the, um, in the elevator, which trapped us last time, okay, so I'm in the elevator. I'm like... Jesus, please get me to my room. Um, this lady comes on with two dogs, and she's going to our floor. And I'm like, oh, this is the dogs next door to us that whine till 1.30 in the morning. And I'm like, oh, you must be our neighbor. You know, and I can feel my attitude. And God's like, okay, just check it. Okay, you must be our neighbor. And she goes, oh, no, no, I just got in. These dogs are my help, my helper dogs, and they, they don't whine blah, 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 and they're here to help me because of the trauma in my life. And I'm like, oh, this is why I'm in the elevator right now. No, oh, message received. So what's going on? And blah, 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 blah. And she's heading down really close to our room, so I'm thinking, I hope those dogs really don't whine. But attitude. I'm like, well, she's almost at her door, and I'm like, would you like prayer for, for the trauma? And she's like, I would love prayer for the trauma. Oh, this is why I didn't go get groceries last night. You bring him with you wherever you go. And I had an opportunity to mess that up because the dogs were with her and we didn't sleep much the night before because of the different dogs. You have to check your attitude. And just bring presence. In every area of your realm of influence, whether a parent in your realm of influence is at home, whether in a school, whether in your job, whether in the church, in every area, you are responsible for coming to the table and bringing him with you. He doesn't leave you when you walk out of your house. Now, some of you might think, I think he leaves my spouse when he walks out of the house because there's a whole different person that shows up over there. No, no, no. He, you take him wherever you go, but the problem is, is we take us too. And we are responsible for the us, right? <laughs> In this crazy time, we think we just shouldn't talk. Because there's so much hatred coming against the name of Christ. I get so frustrated that the world will do anything but Jesus. I mean, if you think of psychology, all of the junk they teach in psychology 
And you're like, and really the answer is still Jesus. But you can't say Jesus in psychology or you can lose your license. But we can say Hare Krishna and we can do Reiki and we can do all this weird stuff. Um, we can do yoga in the church, which is a cult. Moving on. No, we can't. We shouldn't. Blah, blah, blah. Mixture. And it's all okay. But the moment you say Jesus, crucify him. Well, that's what they said to Jesus too. You're not responsible for that response. But you are responsible to bring the presence. It's a mandate to shift the atmospheres. Last year, the Lord told me, it was the year of the power of peace. This is actually is my message. <laughs> um, and, and I thought, okay, the power of peace. And I thought that's interesting because most of us don't see peace as powerful. I think most of us think peace is keeping the peace. And in this last couple of years, it means don't say anything. Because if you say something, it's going to erupt in you know, I can remember growing up, they're like, oh, we don't talk politics and we don't talk religion. I'm like, well, that's really a bummer because then we never actually learn anything, right? But the problem is it gets heated and people have so much of their invested behind it that it's like, you know, it's just safer we don't do that. You know, that's, that's not wisdom. We bring him with us. I tell my family, they're not believers, my, my extended family, I tell them all about the miracles, I say, oh my gosh, I was here, and this happened, and this happened, and, and my dad and I went on, because I told the story that he had his second booster and had a massive stroke, and so he's still handicapped from, from the COVID boosters, and we went in to put my name on his checking account, and the lady said, and, and what's your profession? And I said, oh, I'm a, I'm a pastor, and my dad said, hey, you should tell her you're a miracle worker. Yeah, I've had my family laugh at me for years. And then somewhere along the way, they stopped laughing. And they actually started asking for prayer. And then they actually started feeling the presence of God when I would pray for them. But I'm not responsible for their response. I'm responsible to bring him with me wherever I go. But I tell you, these last few years, it's been hard to speak out. It's been so hard because if you have this certain opinion, you're a horrible person. Or if you, you know, the whole mask, not mask, the whole, do you take the shot? Do you don't take the shot? There's just so polarization and it is a demonic design to keep you silent. And the Lord said, it's the year of the power of peace. And I think, well, what does that mean? Does it mean to stay silent? And then I have a sozo. I love how the Lord does this. He gives me a word and then he puts a situation with me. And I'm in a sozo inner healing deliverance time with a woman. And she's in all this place of chaos. And I'm like, oh, this is generational. As I said, is it possibly generational? Because, oh, yeah, my mom was very chaotic. Our home growing up was very chaotic. And so a short little part of that is you will recreate your normals. So even though you grow up and you have your own family, you're recreating the normal that you had until you break the normal. For her, it was chaos, right? So we went to that place, and we said, okay, Lord, if I hand you chaos, I forgive my mom. We break off the generational stuff, which is not hard to do. And God, if I give you chaos, what will you give me in exchange? And she says, oh, he said he'll give me peace. I'm like, that's the right answer. Why are you not excited? She goes, because peace is not powerful. And I'm like, oh, it's a setup. Because he just told me the night before, it's the power of peace. So I said, well, where did you learn that peace is not powerful? And I thought, well, maybe she's had no growing up. Maybe there was no one that ever could help with the chaos. And I said, is there anyone in your family that was peaceful? And she goes, oh, yeah, my dad. He was so peaceful. And I thought, this is not working. We know how this works. You know, there's someone you can look at. And I said, so tell me about it. She goes, oh, yeah, he would walk into our chaotic home, and he would stand there in his little peace bubble, and it never changed the chaos. Oh, 
say this, Donna really is nice. <laughs> How many of us have stayed in our little peace bubble and it's not changing the world around us? You know what that tells the world? tells the world that your little peace bubble isn't powerful. You're protected because you're in this little peace bubble, but it's not affecting the world around you. But we are to be the atmospheric shifters on this planet because we carry truth. We carry life inside of us. So then I thought, as I thought about that, I thought, I wonder how, in her brain, how did she see the disciples asking Jesus, you know, we're going to die. And I realized for the first time on the boat, she's realizing, oh, Jesus is in his little peace bubble. And he's going to be okay, but we're going to die because her dad never changed the chaos around her. And so she's transferred this to, oh, even though Jesus has got such great peace, it doesn't help my world, right? And think about this. We'll look at this here. Oh, that's the other one. Mark 4, 35 through 41. And on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. And now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat the boat so that it was already filling up. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. You know, and so many times we hear the whole sermon about this, which is amazing, is how do you stay peaceful in a storm? And yes, that is perfect theology. <laughs> and something else happened. The disciples wake him <laughs> And they say, teacher, do you not care we're perishing? From her mindset, she sees Jesus' perfect peace and thinks, oh, he's got peace, but I'm going down. And then I think about the disciples are like, yeah, dude, you can walk on water. So you're okay with us going down. But Peter already tried that. Didn't work out so well. <laughs> do you not care we're going down? There is a world around you going down. We need to not just be asleep on the boat at peace in the storm. We need to stand up and finish the story. And Jesus gets up and he speaks to the storm and he says, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And the disciples say, who is this that the winds and waves obey him? We've got to be brave in this season. There are storms all around you. And we need to get up and speak to the storms. We're not simply meant to hide who he is, or in our little circles. Oh, we get together and we come back to life because we're, we're like each other. No, everywhere he puts you, you are the light. Everywhere he puts you, you are bringing his presence. And sometimes you don't actually say anything and presence happens. And sometimes the Lord's like, you need to say something. I was in the UK and I have a friend that says, you know, the prophetic's really hard in the UK. Because we don't encourage each other like you Americans. You know, Americans are like, you're awesome. You're great. Yay, high five. This is and she's like, we don't do that. She goes, so we have to actually teach people how to say kind things to each other. Because we just don't do that. And you definitely don't talk outside your class. You know, you would never address the queen you know, America would be like, hey, you know, we don't understand this. You know, it's like, hey, Queenie, you know, we don't know, right? But they have these, this protocol and they have all this stuff. And she goes, you know, we have to start back here. Like, this is how you say a nice word. And so I'm in the elevator and this lady is standing next to me. And my thought is, she looks really smart. 
the word smart, I thought, you know, like in there is like, looks good. Like you're, like you're all put together, right? So I even, I knew it was prophetic because it was in English. They're English, right? <laughs> and um, and I, I think the Lord's like, tell her she looks really smart. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to do it because, you know, they don't do that. And he's like, tell her. So I look at her and I said, excuse me, ma'am. She looks at me. I go, I'm an American. <laughs> she goes, okay. I could just see the horror on her face. And I'm like, and I just have to tell you how smart you look. That awesome outfit for you. And she goes, oh, thank you so much. She says, I'm about to stand up and on television tell people who won the election. And I was in my hotel wondering, did I pick the right outfit? It just calmed her storm. You know, when she got up to do that, she's probably like, I'm, I'm looking smart. <laughs> I could have kept my mouth shut, but she still would have had a storm. I could have stayed in my peace bubble. didn't matter to me what I told her. But God's like, she needs peace, and you have peace in you, and I need you to speak to that storm. <laughs> and we think so often, you know, I, oh, no, this is not going to go well when I speak. Make sure your attitude is appropriate, which means it comes from love, and then speak. When I looked into this and I thought, okay, Lord, peacemaker, what are you trying to tell us? <laughs> I went to Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And it tells us earlier, let your light so shine that they will give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And it says here, you will be called the sons of God. The peacemakers, oh, so they'll know that you have the Father in heaven by what you do. And I think, okay, peacemakers, oh, that means I've got to keep the peace. I've got to keep my mouth shut because I don't agree with the news. And if I say that, I'm going to be in trouble or, or I have this opinion and I'm going to be in trouble. But when you speak in love, you need to speak. Because actually when you look, go through the concordance and you find out what does this one word mean, it's not peacekeeper peacemaker you go back to the cognates and you get to this it says someone who bravely declares God's terms which makes someone whole ah so you are bravely speaking truth in a world that is crazy who has no idea what truth is and they can grab a hold of truth we got to get brave yes you can have your peace bubble but you're going to have to also encompass others in your bubble you're going to have to get out and speak in such a way as to make people whole if we don't speak the world will not hear truth and you're not responsible for their response to the presence. One last thing. Before I say one last thing, say this. Peace, Peace. is not passive. Peace, Peace. is powerful. powerful. Wow. I hand to you, God, every time I've spoken, and I've been accused, and I've been harassed, and I've stuck my head back under my turtle shell in my own little peace bubble. Give me courage and confidence to step out again, because I'm not responsible for the response to the presence. I hand you bitterness, I hand you frustration, and I ask you to clean my heart in such a way that I can speak and help people become whole.
I know this seems so strange. My husband teaches on finance, and I've had friends in, in different um, people groups who have said, we have never heard this in our groups. We need this information in our groups because we have a whole different idea of what money is. And I'm like, that is so sad. And at the same time, it's the world. There will be people that will say to you, why have I never heard this? And it's like, I, I don't know. We are still a Christian nation, no matter what people have said. You should know Jesus in this nation. We're going to be the lights that are going to shine it. Okay, last thing. Proverbs 18.21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The enemy does not want you to speak life. He came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ came to bring life and life abundant, and you carry life in your tongue. The Lord asked me um, a couple years ago, he said, I want you to release higher-ranking angels. And I'm like, okay, I don't know how to do it. I don't know what you're doing with it, but I said, okay, so I just release higher-ranking angels. And then I thought, is that scriptural? Was that God? You know, because prophetic people really need to check in with the word to make sure, you know, you're hearing the right voice. And so I, I turned to Daniel, and I realized, oh, you know, when Daniel's prayer was being blocked in heaven, in, in the second heaven, we talked about this the other day, and um, the king of Persia, which is a demon, was blocking the angel. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came and did battle so that the littler angel, whatever you want to call him, probably didn't have little cherub wings, came down, right, to fight. So there are higher-ranking angels. Okay, that's all I need to know. All right, so we release higher-ranking angels. And then a couple of days later, I woke up speaking in tongues. I mean, and as I was speaking in tongues, I saw my words being thrown up into that second heaven realm where the angels and demons are battling, and I saw the angels grabbing them as knives. And the Lord's like, it is hand-to-hand -hand combat, baby. And you need to fuel the right side with your words. And I thought, oh, the power of life and death is in the tongue. Everything we say empowers one side or the other. And I thought, wow, there are some words I've said. It, the angels that bow their knee to Jesus weren't the ones that were getting the weapons. Because I was speaking agreement that was giving the demonic realm empowerment. Does that make sense? And I was like, I am so sorry, Lord. So what we're going to end with is we're going to end with a prophetic act. And so I just want you to take a moment and say, Jesus... Have I ever spoken words that empowered the demonic? If you heard yes, stand up and we're going to pray. It would be hard to have never. <laughs> yeah. Let's just be honest here. And I... I know my husband, he talks about praying it forward and, and you pray and you throw seeds out into the future and those seeds will grow. And there are the prayers of the saints that were prayed years and years and centuries ago and those prayers are still active and growing, right? And so we get to step into the prayers of the saints that came before us. And so before we plant our own seed there, I want us to ask the Lord to get rid of the seed we shouldn't have planted. Does that make sense? So I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I repent for any seeds that I have planted through my tongue that has actually been in the soil. And some of it has grown. And some of it I'm having to eat from. Wow. So I ask you to forgive me for empowering rotten seed. And I ask you to supernaturally burn up that seed. Burn up the harvest that was not from you. And I speak to the soil in the atmosphere and I repent for any way I planted evil by my words. And now that all of that is clean, 
I speak to the soil. And I speak life. I speak health. I speak victory. And I speak Jesus. Wow, into every situation. I repent for staying silent and not speaking proper seed that will grow and benefit the world. Wow. I want you to ask him right now, say, Holy Spirit, right now, what do you want me to speak? And begin to release it. Just begin to release. Just begin. It doesn't have to be loud, but out loud. Because the power of life and death is in the tongue. Release it. It can be, it can actually literally be in tongues, but it can be, you know. If there's someone in your world that needs health, I speak health. I speak life. If someone needs deliverance, I just speak deliverance over this situation. Yeah. I speak hope. I speak hope into this world. I speak hope into my circumstances. I speak hope into what is laying before me or what is trying to scare me. We talked about the Goliaths. Lord, I speak hope into those future battles. I speak courage to my legs to stand when I've done all to stand. And I actually speak that I will learn to speak in such a way as to make people whole. I want you guys to pay attention to what you speak. I want you to step outside your peace bubbles and I want you to speak. And if you mess up and you speak a little bit like you shouldn't have, then repent. Ask God to remove that seed. Because you're going to practice, right? And you're going to watch as the world around you begins to grow. And beauty begins to take over. Because we actually have the power of life and death in our tongue. So today, say, I choose to speak life. In Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.